18-year-old high school football star murdered outside Dave and Buster's in Atlanta. His parents have already forgiven his killers. Could you? Liberal reporter calls Child Protective Services on homeschooling mom for teaching her children about Columbus. And 17-year-old boy shot by a cop multiple times in San Antonio McDonald's parking lot for nothing. All this and more details coming up on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 257 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022 the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, let's get right on this. Um, This has been widely reported in the last 24 hours. UK Daily Mail a lot of times has more detailed news about stories that happen in America than a lot of American press does. So here it is. Two teenage boys have been arrested for shooting dead a Georgia high school football star in a mall parking lot while he was on a date with his girlfriend. Elijah DeWitt, 18 years old, was shot dead in the parking lot of a Dave and Buster's outside of the Sugarloaf Mills Mall in Lawrenceville, Georgia, October 5th, following an altercation with two others. Now, Lawrenceville, Georgia, I'm very familiar with. My brother and sister-in-law used to live there. It's in the Atlanta metro up I-85, northeast of Atlanta. Police arrested 18-year-old Kamir Bryan and 19-year-old Chandler Richardson in South Carolina two days later. They're both from Lawrenceville. Gwinnett County Police Department said in a statement, Detectives are still working to investigate the motive behind this incident. It appears that the suspects and the victim were familiar with each other, and when they encountered each other in the parking lot, an altercation took place, and then the shooting. DeWitt was on a date with his girlfriend, Bailey Reedling, at the time of his death, 
In a 911 emergency call, Reedling can be heard screaming in the background. A person said in a 911 call, which was obtained by Fox News, I was at Dave and Buster's. I heard people screaming. I looked toward my right, and I see someone lay down. I've never seen anything like this, man. Brian and Richardson were charged with malice and felony murder. The two were also charged with possession of a firearm and aggravated assault. The duo will be extradited from Anderson County, South Carolina, which is in the upstate South Carolina, to Gwinnett County, Georgia, says October 10th. So they probably already have been since it's the 11th now. And they got a picture of 18-year-old Elijah DeWitt holding football in his football jersey. Got the pictures of the alleged murderers looking like thugs. A candlelight vigil for Elijah DeWitt was held on Sunday evening as nearly 100 people gathered to honor the Jefferson High School student there in Lawrenceville, Georgia. His mother, Dawn, told Fox News, Definitely the worst day of my life. His life just came completely to a screeching halt in seconds. Ms. DeWitt told 11 Alive News Atlanta that her son was dedicated to football and strived to be number one. She said he loved football. He was ready and willing to do whatever it takes to go D1. That was his ultimate goal. Despite losing their son, Oh, this is kind of tough. Despite losing their son, Dawn and her husband Craig have forgiven his alleged killers. Craig DeWitt told Fox News, we don't want the hate in this household. Um, Elijah DeWitt, 18 years old, high school football star. Died on his father's birthday, according to 11 Alive News. His mother, Dawn, said the forgiveness is for the forgivers. His dad said that we don't want the hate in our home. Funeral services scheduled to be held in honor of Elijah DeWitt Wednesday, October 12th, Jefferson Church, 6 p.m. Wednesday, Lawrenceville, Georgia. I wonder because, you know, I came across came across some people having a real hard time with this. People who don't know the family 
having a real hard time with this out there on social media. The great Jack Posobiec over Human Events, senior editor at humanevents.com, had posted a link to the article. A lot of people um, mentioning the racial aspect here. The deceased happened to be white. The alleged murderers happen to be black. But that's not what people are picking up on that I'm looking at. A guy named Jake Paquette, who also was a football player, he distinguished himself with the Arkansas Razorbacks and um, then he was with the uh, New England Patriots at one point. Um, he was an Army Ranger. He ran for Republican nomination for United States Senator earlier this year in Arkansas. He said, this kid's body isn't even cold yet, and the parents and girlfriend are already falling all over themselves to forgive the murderers and move on. No righteous anger. He says, what a pathetic, broken culture this is. Jake, I don't know if I would be piling on grieving parents, calling them pathetic. I don't, I don't know I'd do, be doing that, Jake. Radio talk show host Eric Erickson out of WSB in Atlanta said, I think it's the epitome of Christianity to forgive even someone who kills your loved one. Jake Paquette responded, we have differing views on the epitome of Christianity. Eric Erickson responded, all I'm saying is Christ on the cross asked the Father to forgive the crucifiers. Forgiveness is a central tenet of the faith, and I don't think we should go after the parents of a murder victim for showing Christian forgiveness. It's a great sign of strength that they would. Yeah, I don't think we should go after him either. I don't know Jake Paquette. Um, you know, I ran all over the state of Arkansas running for governor for three and a half months. Never ran into him on the campaign trail, so I've, I have never met him. I interviewed him once by phone. On, on the radio, don't know him, but this idea of calling the parents of a murder victim pathetic, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's right, Jake. So, a guy named Dr. Mark Tafuro responded to Eric Erickson saying, as the world's worst Catholic, allow me to explain, Christ's sacrifice had a purpose to bring salvation into the world, forgiveness through his death, which was unjustified as he was sinless. We don't have to view senseless murders as Golgotha, where he was crucified, for virtue points. Then a young lady named Charity Manson 
responded to him by saying, what is the alternative, though? It didn't sound like the parents were asking for charges to be dropped, just explaining that they weren't going to sustain a hateful heart toward the killers. And then I jumped in, as I often do. And I said, thank you. Finally, someone gets to a very important distinction in this whole argument. Our Lord told us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we have to forgive. But the Bible also endorses capital punishment for murder. Of course. It's two different things. And so many people don't get that. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody about something like this? And they don't get it? And they, and they can't make the distinction between personal forgiveness for someone who has murdered a loved one of yours and on the other hand saying, well, of course, the Bible says that if you take a person's life, your life will be required of you. I mean, I got to forgive them personally because when the Lord taught his disciples to pray, that's right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So I'm asking God to forgive me the same way that I forgive other people. Okay? So if I don't forgive other people who sin against me, I'm asking God to hold my sins against me. And... um, And 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 there are plenty he could, there's plenty he could hold against me. You know, I mean, so if I don't forgive whoever did whatever to me and mine, then I'm asking God not to forgive me. And God's got the goods on me. He knows every sin I ever committed, straight from birth right from the cradle. But I believe that it is wrong to withhold capital punishment from someone who commits murder. Now, the problem with that is we... um, We don't have a perfect system, and there have been people who have been found guilty of murder who were not guilty, who did not do it. And that's something I struggle with. Because you don't ever want to put an innocent man to death. So I really struggle with that. Especially, you know, some of the stuff I've read in the last few months about FBI agents and U.S. attorneys just making stuff up, just making stuff up about people in capital murder cases. And, and, you know, I've shared some of this stuff with you in previous episodes. I'm not going to dig too deeply into that right now. But 
You know how our Constitution forbids the government from exacting cruel and unusual punishment on a prisoner? Did you realize that for most of the history of this country, there was no such thing as life sentence, a life sentence without the possibility of parole, that is, didn't exist. For the first about 180, 190 years of this country, that didn't exist. And I will say to you that I don't believe capital punishment is cruel and unusual punishment. That's certainly not what the founders had in mind, but I do believe that life in prison without the possibility of parole, that right there, that's cruel and unusual punishment. You know, when you hear somebody say, oh, no, no, I don't want to be executed. I want him to sit there in that jail cell, even if he lives to be 100, and think about what he did for the rest of his life. Well, That sounds like an unforgiving heart to me. No, you murder somebody, you you deserve to be executed. No, you get all your appeals and everything. You make sure that the rights are not violated, and there's you know you're not being framed and all this kind of stuff. And again, recently, I've had some serious qualms about capital punishment, having found out about. FBI agents at one time or another framing people because you don't want to execute an innocent man. That's a tough one. But have you ever thought about this, about how is it possible? Because we got more than one issue going on with this story. How is it possible that parents of a beloved 18-year-old son can turn around and say, well, we have forgiven his murderers because we don't want that hate in our home. I mean, we can't know what we would do in a situation like this. And I pray that no one within the sound of my voice will ever have to put it to the test. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. It's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. Mm. Y'all pray for that family. I just, uh, I can't imagine, but I'm glad that the discussion was had on Twitter. I hope that Jake Beckett will have second thoughts about the terminology he used about the grieving parents. It's just uh, its really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. Okay. Um, coming up, we got to talk about 17-year-old boy shot by a police officer multiple times parking lot of a McDonald's in San Antonio, all for naught, for nothing. You're not going to believe this story. And 
liberal reporter calls child protective services on a homeschooling mom for having the gall to teach her child about Columbus on Columbus Day. I'm telling you, people are losing it. People are losing it. Some folks just don't have any concept of boundaries. They think they're right, and they're just going to do whatever they're going to do because they're right and you're wrong, morally, and they're morally superior to you. So they have no qualms about calling Child Protective Services. Anyway, uh, those stories are both coming up. And once again, we are so thankful for our advertisers on the Doc Washburn Show for making it possible for us to do what we do week in and week out as we get closer to our first anniversary. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American health care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. 
you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thanks once again to our advertisers, our friends, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. They're also our doctors at TurnMyPowerOn.com. Help me, help my wife, help so many of our friends, so many people we didn't even know who heard about it through the advertising that we've been doing for them ever since... uh, August 2014, when I was on the radio. Also, thank you so much to Mitch Ward, proprietor of RedRiverYourWay.com. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do here. Somebody says, do you have any suggestions on sleep issues. Well, if I had any suggestions on sleep issues, you think I'd be awake right now? Ah, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Sorry. Um, I, I take this uh, this herbal thing you get at the uh, the health food store called melatonin. Melatonin might help. But again, if you um, if you look in the mirror and your eyes are off balance or your shoulders are off balance, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. If you get your atlas adjusted, it helps with all kinds of things, including sleep issues. So, uh, sorry, I made try to make a little funny there. Okay. Um, let's see what we have next here. The whole child protective services thing. Um, this is remarkable. Now, first of all, let me, let me tell you a bit, a little bit about Columbus. There, there's an, a theory out about Columbus that I've found fascinating from someone on Twitter who has the handle, the American Sun. Somebody I just discovered, somebody else had retweeted a thread he put together about uh, Columbus, and so I'll share that with you. And then tell you about the guy that called Child Protective Services because um, a mother had the gall to... um, teach your homeschooling child about Columbus. Oh, wait, somebody said, I'm a, I'm a Mertzapine for, for six years now. Um, yeah, see, I'm not an actual doctor, so I apologize for the confusion there. Um, doc is a nickname, it's, so, uh, so sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. No, it's it's not your fault. It's my fault. Um, it, it it I wasn't thinking about the fact that I'm getting new listeners all the time, and um, and if I don't say, oh, by the way, Doc is a nickname, then how would you know? So no, 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 no. It, it's all good, brother. It's all good. It's it's that that one's totally on me. Uh, let me share this thing about Columbus here. 
this is fascinating. This Twitter profile, the American Sun, says Columbus was not an idiot. He spent his life since the age of 14 at sea or engaged in nautical trade. And had extensive experience with navigation and cartography. He was deeply embedded in the merchant class at the time. When you're a sea captain, you're responsible for a huge amount of capital. Every voyage was was essentially a fairly large funded startup. Investors do not entrust such money to someone prone to flights of fancy, mental instability, or unwillingness to listen to reason. So with essentially a lifetime of successful startups and exits under his belt and being recognized throughout the industry as a maximally competent guy, Columbus goes to an extremely large investor, the Spanish monarchy, with a facially absurd pitch. In other words, this is absurd on its face. What are you, nuts? But here it is. He says, you know, I've been reading all these old books, and I'm pretty sure if you do the calculations just right, the world is about half the size everyone else thinks, and I'm putting together a team to head out into the Atlantic Ocean and sail to Asia. Okay, now this should raise some questions. First, Columbus is not a scholar, although he's read plenty. The odds that he's even interpreting this correctly are minimal to say nothing of the underlying correctness. Immediately, the court scholars point this out, and no one can really refute it. Second, even if the world is that much smaller, the public sailing techniques of the day make it questionable whether he could actually sail to China. Certainly, he wouldn't have enough supplies to turn around if his theory was incorrect. Third, and this really gives away the game, Columbus asks for nearly absurd terms on top of the usual compensation for a successful, vastly profitable trading voyage. He wants to have a huge equity slice of anything he finds out there, basically making him partner in any ongoing trade with a Spanish monarchy. And that uh, shows a lot of chutzpah. Now, if you're sailing to China and you discover there's just a shorter path, why exactly is the guy who figures this out getting a huge chunk of equity? Your competitors will immediately do the same thing. There's no benefit to figuring out something is easier for everyone. So in sum, we have a situation where a maximally competent guy asks for funding and a huge equity slice in an endeavor everyone says is impossible and will definitely end up with him dead on completely spurious reasoning. So what do we conclude from this? Well, how about Columbus knows something everyone else does not? He has let's say, an inside edge. The BS about the earth being smaller is just that, a cover story that's absurd enough 
that it's intended to be recognized as a cover story. What Columbus actually knows and implies but doesn't say to his investors is two things. First, the trade wins. Now, most trade thus far by the year 1492 had used coastal routes. It's actually dangerous to wander out into the open sea for obvious reasons, but if you do wander out in the right place, you find an interesting phenomenon, a highway of wind blowing you out west and south. And here there is uh, a link to a Wikipedia page for something called Volta do Mar Largo, a phrase in Portuguese which means literally turn of the sea, but also return from the sea. It's a navigational technique perfected by Portuguese navigators during the Age of Discovery in the late 15th century, which would be Columbus's time, using the dependable phenomenon of the great permanent wind circle, the North Atlantic gyre, G-Y-R-E. This is a major step in the history of navigation when an understanding of winds at the age of sail was crucial to success. The European sea empires would not have been established without an understanding of the trade winds. Okay. Now, the American Sun continues, trade winds were a trade secret. Navigators were an artisanal group, and knowing the subtleties of wind and current was why they made the big bucks. Getting it right vastly increased the odds of successful voyage and payday and vice versa. You don't give away your edge. Now, this doesn't just let you get out to sea. It lets you come back from the sea also. So, so Columbus knows he can relatively, very relatively, this is still incredibly dangerous, safely go out further than anyone has gone and make it back in one piece. Secondly, Columbus has heard rumors as Portuguese ships attempt to slingshot past South Africa and make it to India, you know, going the other way. It is extremely likely that some of them may have been blown off course on their way close enough to see some outlying Brazilian land or islands. It makes sense why those particular ships may not have pursued land. The winds are blowing you the opposite way. You know you have a huge payday set up if you stick to the plan. And you have no idea if there's anything worthwhile in that shadow just over the horizon. Incidentally, we know a similar pattern happened with the Vikings 500 years earlier where at least one ship was blown off course to where they saw the coast of Vinland. But it took years for it to be followed up on. Did you realize that the Vikings went down into uh, northeastern North America a few centuries before Columbus. 
wound up much further down. Vinland was an area of coastal North America explored by the Vikings. Leif Erikson landed there around 1000 AD, nearly five centuries before the voyages of Christopher Columbus and John Cabot. The name appears in the Vinland sagas and describes Newfoundland, now part of Canada, and the Gulf of St. Lawrence as far as the northeastern New Brunswick. Much of the geographical content of the sagas corresponds to present-day knowledge of transatlantic travel and North America. A lot of people don't know that. Anyway, the American Sun continues over there on Twitter saying, but this is the sort of thing that generates rumors, even if your navigator is keeping his mouth shut, mostly every junior seaman up in the rigging is unlikely to exercise the same discretion. In some, Columbus knows there might be something over there. And he knows a plausible way to get there and back, but he doesn't know what it is. And if he starts talking up his reasoning, likely some Portuguese guy or a different team altogether is going to beat him to the market. Got it? He signals his insider information to investors by his ridiculous death wish reasoning and equity demands. He's willing to put his life on the line for a bet he won't even reveal, but they know he has skin in the game. So they trust him based on his reputation and willingness to put his own stake all in. And fortunately, for everyone not an Indian, the bet pays off. Now, Columbus didn't die thinking he had landed in China. He was still trying to figure out monetization and still trying to keep his information edge and his equity stake intact. These were reasonable concerns considering that immediately after he died, his investors tried to dilute his heirs out of their inherited equity stake. It turns out that the best founder who can prove the concept isn't necessarily the best at pivoting to monetization and real returns. Columbus was, by all accounts, a pretty bad imperialist, burning resources on failed settlements, unsustainable slavery, non-existent gold. Nevertheless, you must submit that he was a world-historically great navigator, explorer, and visionary founder. Attempts to drag him down by implying his supposed ignorance or brutality overshadow this. They're motivated by people who hate greatness in itself. So that was fascinating. That was just fascinating. Now, you would think if you're a homeschooler, you, you, you want to teach your child about Columbus, right? Yeah, that's, that's what you would think. So that's what, um, that's what this homeschooling mom, Tina Ramirez, was doing. 
And she also kind of dragged PayPal into the deal. You, you hear the deal about PayPal the other day? They said they got new terms of service that if you uh, put out misinformation, they're going to steal $2,500 from you, except it's not stealing because if you sign off on the terms of service, you know what to expect. So Tina Ramirez founder of something called, called hardwire.org and Senate candidate Republican for Virginia's 12th district. She's out there on Twitter saying only women can be pregnant. Do I owe PayPal $2,500 now? And this David Leavitt guy, award-winning multimedia journalist, who's done stuff for CBS and Axios and Yahoo and the Examiner. David Leavitt responded, why are you celebrating torture, rape, murder, and enslavement? So I guess she had said, happy Columbus Day to somebody. He's just freaking out. And so she responded, I teach my daughter real American history. I refuse to join the radical left's campaign to erase history. Oh, and he's just off to the races. He, he, just, he just loses it at this point. He says, can someone please call child care services on Tina Ramirez, who's teaching her child to be a racist? And then... He shows a screenshot of being on hold with Child Protective Services in Virginia. He says the Virginia State Hotline for Child Abuse has a 10-plus minute hold and is, and is experiencing high call volumes with 14 callers ahead of me. This is absolutely unacceptable. How many people try to report child abuse and hang up? How many children will continue to be abused? Well, homeschooling mom teaching her child about Columbus is not child abuse. This guy needs to go to jail. It's against the law to make a fraudulent child abuse call, and that's what he's doing. He continues, the Virginia State Hotline for Child Abuse has a 20-plus minute hold and is experiencing high call volumes with 14 callers ahead of me. He's actually tweeting about this crime he's committing in real time. Monday evening. He says, this is absolutely unacceptable. How many people try to report child abuse and hang up? How many children will continue to be abused? On the next tweet, he says, the Virginia State Hotline for Child Abuse has a 27-plus minute hold and is experiencing high call volumes with 14 callers ahead of me. This is absolutely unacceptable. How many people try to report child abuse and hang up? How many children will continue to be abused? On the next one. He just keeps on going up because they keep going up. Virginia State Hotline now has a 35-plus minute hold for child abuse, 14 calls ahead of him, and repeats the same stuff about the unacceptable, how many people are going to give up. The next tweet, the Virginia State Hotline for child abuse has a 43-plus minute hold, is experiencing high call volume, still has 14 callers ahead of him. He finally breaks the pattern here in his next tweet. Because, see, Tina Ramirez, by this point, has responded to him, saying, mighty bold and liberal of you to lecture a Hispanic mother 
with a black daughter on racism. What's next? Are you going to lecture me on women's rights? And the first response is a guy saying, please report him to the police for this intentional and illegal harassment. And, and he actually posts the law, knowingly making false reports, penalties. A, any person 14 years of age or older who makes or causes to be made a report of child abuse or neglect pursuant to this chapter that he knows to be false shall be guilty of a Class 1 misdemeanor. Well, I hope it's enough send David Leavitt to jail. David Leavitt is actually tying up a child abuse hotline. So Leavitt responds to her saying this about mighty bold and liberal view to lecture a Hispanic mother with a black daughter on racism by saying the lady who's teaching her kids how to be racist thinks I'm bold. Does she know I'm on hold to report her to child and family services? And then he says, having a black child doesn't make you any less racist. And then he says, the Virginia State Hotline for Child Abuse now has a 50-plus minute hold and is experiencing high call volumes with 14 callers ahead of me. He says, why is there so much child abuse in Virginia? How many people try to report child abuse and hang up? How many children will continue to be abused? Well, you're abusing a mother and a child. On the next one, he says, the wait time is now up to 60-plus minutes, 14 callers still ahead of him. And um, I'll tell you what, this guy really, really, really needs to go to jail. He really does. Somebody is uh, alerting Twitter safety about this, saying, you know, you need to suspend him. Of course, he's a liberal, so that's that's not going to happen. Somebody else says, oh, look, it's the same guy who went after a Target employee now tying up the lines of CPS with a BS claim. How is this not considered targeted harassment? Twitter support. Incredible. You think you're the good guy. Yeah, there's something at a Target about uh, toothbrushes that were supposed to be on sale, and he was trying to get a a low-level Target employee in, 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 in trouble over this. He really needs to go to jail. Um, I mean, can you believe the sense of entitlement that people have that he is claiming that she's breaking the law because child abuse is against the law. He's claiming she's breaking the law for teaching her child American history as a homeschooling mom. And he's called into Child Protective Services. That's nuts. That's crazy. By the way, um, I- I'll try to get into a little bit more detail on the whole PayPal thing on the next edition of the uh, the Doc Washburn Show. There are just so many stories going on right now that I just, you know. But that, I hope they lost billions. I really hope they lost billions because so many people over the weekend were like, hey, yank your money out of there. They told you what they're going to do. So, yeah, we'll, we'll try to get to that. Um, Got to tell you about the um, the rookie cop who shot the 17-year-old kid 
in the parking lot of McDonald's in San Antonio. And the, uh, the video went viral. Have you seen this yet? Again, UK Daily Mail has it. So let's take a look at this. A 17-year-old boy who was shot several times by a rookie cop as he sat in his car eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's is currently on life support after several of his organs were punctured during the shooting. The family of Eric Cantu say the teenager has had to undergo a number of surgeries to repair major organs that were damaged by gunfire, according to attorney Brian Powers, who spoke to UK Daily Mail. Cantu's lungs are effectively being operated by the life support machine, and he remains under sedation while his body takes the time it needs to recover. Powers said that Cantu faces a long road to recovery, but that his family are thankful for the prayers they have received. The rookie San Antonio cop, 25-year-old James Brennan, who shot Cantu, who was unarmed, has since been fired. Brennan is a married former soldier who was commended for his firearm skills while in the police academy. Okay, um, I'm going to say something here, and I hope I'm not generalizing too much. But um, if someone has been in combat as a soldier, you know, in combat, um, they could wind up being a very good police officer, but I think there needs to be a little bit of downtime. Okay? There needs to be a little bit of separation time after they get back to the U.S. Because you don't want them flashing back to, like, combat. Because combat, and for instance, coming up on a car in a case of mistaken identity in a parking lot of McDonald's in San Antonio, and that's, that's, those are two different things. Two different things. So, um, I don't know if you've heard this or not. I'm going to see if I can play it for you here. Because this is alarming, the way this thing goes down. But, um, yeah, it's something like this. Can you start me one more? I got a vehicle over here that uh, fled from me the other day. He's in the parking lot. Okay, so the police officer, rookie cop, he's communicating with somebody back at the police station, dispatch. (laughs) 
asking apparently if they could send some backup because he's just noticed a car that he thinks fled from him recently. San Antonio is a really big city. Um, there are over a million people in the San Antonio metropolitan area. So you're going to have a lot of different people that buy the same make and model of a car, same color. So this guy's nuts. The San Antonio metropolitan area has 2.6 million people. The only thing bigger in Texas is either Houston, Galveston, or Dallas-Fort Worth. So, yeah, send somebody because I found this car that uh, got away from me recently. So then he's going to go over to the car, yank the door open, and tell a 17-year-old kid sitting there eating a hamburger to get out. Without identifying himself, without saying why he's there, nothing. Nothing. Seriously? This guy never should have been a cop. Anyway, here it is. And the kid's going to be shocked. He doesn't know what's going on. Get out of the car. What? <laughs> Shots fired! Shots fired! Shots fired! Earlier, you got a coming through a return on it right now. Shots fired! Shots fired! Shots fired on 3161, 11th and 100th, Blanco Road, code 3 Okay. Now, here's the deal. He comes up from behind the kid, shocks him, surprises him, yanking the door open. Says, get out of the car. And the kid holding his hamburger, he's like, what? And he puts the car in reverse to get away from this guy because... You know, it's one thing to say, well, you got to have the talk with your kid. You got to tell your kid that, you know, if you get pulled over on the side of the highway by the police, you keep your hands at 10 and 2 on the, you know, you see the blue lights behind you, you pull over. Keep your hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. Yes, sir. No, sir. Okay. Yeah, my, my license. My uh, registration, my insurance, sure, officer. Here you go. Um, 
But the 17-year-old hasn't seen any blue lights. He's not driving down the highway. He's sitting in the parking lot of McDonald's trying to eat a hamburger. And the guy startles him. And he doesn't have time to think. And so he puts the car in reverse. Uh, Should there be capital punishment for that? Because this cop starts just shooting a 17-year-old kid. Bam, 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 bam. You heard it. <sighs> I'm sure that just about anybody who's a police officer who saw that is horrified by it. Because that's not the way it's supposed to go down. UK Daily Mail says Eric Cantu is hospitalized at nearby University Hospital following the shooting. Also following the shooting, it says Officer Brennan administered CPR while he waited for paramedics. Oh, so he, see, because the, the video cuts off before you don't know if he catches up with the car. So Attorney Power says, Eric and our family would like to thank all of our family, friends, the great city of San Antonio and everyone around the world that has sent their heartfelt prayers and blessings. Wow. He said, Eric is still in critical condition as being monitored closely. Surgeries were performed to repair injuries for a few major organs as a result of the penetration of multiple bullets. Eric is currently on a life support system that is keeping his lungs operating and remains on a vast amount of sedatives to hopefully ease the discomfort and pain. He has a great medical staff that has been working diligently around the clock to provide him great care. Eric is struggling, and we know that recovery will not be easy for him. Every moment is critical, and the uncertainty is quite painful. We ask that everyone please keep Eric in your thoughts and prayers. Last Wednesday, the San Antonio Police Department acted swiftly in firing Officer Brennand. At the time of his termination, he was still in his probationary period, which means he's not entitled to an appeal, and he had been on the job for just seven months. Law enforcement initially actually brought charges against a teenager for evading arrest and assault on a police officer, but those have since been dropped. Oh, my goodness. Under Texas law, due to the fact that the teen had charges pending against him, his family was only permitted to be by his bedside for limited periods of time prior to the release of the video. Officer Brennand maintained he only opened fire on Cantu after the teenager hit him with his car. The new video shows otherwise. Yeah, there was no hitting with the car. Officer Brennand was called to the McDonald's after reported disturbance unrelated to Eric Cantu. When the officer arrived at the scene, he apparently mistook the teen's car for a vehicle that evaded him the previous night. That car had sped away from Officer Brennand when he attempted to pull it over as its license plates did not match the car. Officer Brennand 
approached Cantu's maroon car and called for cover, but quickly tried to take matters into his own hands, not waiting for backup, and opened the car door. Police have not confirmed whether Cantu's car was stolen. The video shows the moment Brennand surprised Cantu and demanded the team get out of the car. As Cantu questioned the officer's orders, he attempted to put the car in reverse, and the door catches Brennand. Brennan quickly opened fire and shot into the driver's side of the vehicle as Cantu reversed, and the body cam footage caught the cop shouting shots fired into his radio. Cantu pulled out of the parking spot, tried to drive away, but Officer Brennan continued shooting into the back of the vehicle. Eric Cantu and his teenage friend were found outside the vehicle a block away from the shooting. Speaking at a press briefing on Friday, Bear County District Attorney Joe Gonzalez confirmed that upon reviewing the video, his office instructed the police department to drop the charges against Cantu. DA Gonzalez also updated the public on Cantu's condition, saying the, this young man is in critical but stable condition. In the hospital, there was some issue with his parents being able to have Extended contact with him, I understand it's a touch-and-go situation. He added, exercising my discretion, what I decided to do for now is dismiss this case so that his family can be by his side. Oh, that, that shouldn't be the only reason to dismiss it, sir. That shouldn't be the only reason. The kid didn't do anything wrong. With regard to possible charges against Officer Brennand, D.A., Gonzalez said, that case is pending. We will have to wait until San Antonio Police Department files the entire case in our office. We will then review it. He went on saying, my concern right now is with the health of this young man, with his parents' ability to be by his side. And so that's why we have done what we have done. It'll take some time for the police department to file the complete case with us, and then we'll make the decision. He said, I commend the San Antonio Police Department for taking the action that they did for terminating this individual because clearly there was concern on their part. It is commendable that members of that department saw fit to terminate this individual. Of course, there is a possibility the former officer could face criminal charges. Well, I hope so. Oh, it was a mistake, Doc. Yeah, I get it. I understand it was a mistake. It was a big mistake. According to Eric Cantu's Facebook page, he works at the Wash Tub, a San Antonio-based car service business. His former supervisor, Christopher Montalvo told KSAT Television, Cantu worked at the business for three months earlier this year. Montalvo said he last saw Cantu a couple of weeks ago when he came in for a car wash. He said, good laughs, just normal human being stuff, nothing really serious. I never got a bad vibe from him. He was always a really good guy to me, and he always respected me. Every time I told him to do something, he always did it, and he worked hard. The supervisor was not aware that Cantu had been shot when he was shown the video by a reporter from KSAT-TV. Montalvo said, that's hard to watch. That's scary. I'm speechless, honestly. He looks scared. He looks terrified. He doesn't know what's going on. 
He was just in his car eating. That right there, that personally didn't look right to me. Well, yes, sir. It didn't look right because unlike this Officer Brennan, you're a normal human being. So, of course, it didn't look right. You are correct. Posts on Eric Cantu's Facebook page show a keen interest in cars. There are multiple pictures showing him in front of a Dodge Charger, which comments indicate he had just purchased in May. Under that picture, his grandmother had written, My boy, I'm very excited for you. I just ask you one thing. Drive safely. Take care of yourself. Love you lots. God is good. He replied, I appreciate it, Liz. You have always been like a mother to me. You always treated me like I was your son. Can't wait to show it to you. In February, he posted a photo showing him behind the wheel of a Ford Bronco, while in March, he posted a video showing him in the passenger side of a Ferrari. On the intro section to his Facebook page, Eric Cantu wrote, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. KJV, Proverbs 3.5. I uh, I just uh, why why are you shooting? Why why are you shooting at this seventeen-year-old boy? Hasn't done anything to you. You know what? I I I, I I'll go one further. I'll go one further. What if he didn't get the wrong car? Now, he did. But what if the officer didn't get the wrong car? What if it really was the car with the wrong license plate on it, stolen car, somehow or another uh, the driver was able to drive away from the night before? That's still not an excuse to try to murder the driver who's sitting there eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's. I saw another press account where the uh, chief of San Antonio Police Department said this goes against all of our training. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what? I'm sure it does. I'm sure that is not an acceptable use of deadly force. I guarantee you. There's no way. There's no way that is an acceptable use of force. That's not how they train you. That's not how they train you in the San Antonio Police Department. That's not how they train you in any police department. No, that's uh... okay. Here it is: it's CBS News. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus quote: 
nothing that that officer did that night was in accordance with our training or our policies, unquote. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's right there. They're going to refer charges on this guy to the uh, DA. Cantu's friend, George Ramos, said he was shocked by the body camera video. He said it was absolutely heartbreaking. When I saw that video, it just made me break down. He said he's inspired me so much to be a better person. He's also positive and motivated and ambitious and happy to see him laying there helpless. It's just so much emotions. I'm just trying to be as strong as I possibly can. Yeah, that's uh, that's messed up. Well, Doc, the officer made a mistake. Yeah, he did. He made a mistake that could 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 cost an innocent young man his life. I mean, he didn't accidentally shoot the gun. That was on purpose. You know, there are going to be people, they probably already are, saying, hey, what kind of people are y'all hiring over there at uh, the San Antonio Police Department, you know? The police chief had to say this. Look, this is not how we train our people. This is not. Because it's not. But, uh, man, praying for full recovery for this young man. Um. Oh, this is horrible. I'm seeing people saying, well, kid put the car in reverse, attempting to run over the officer is justified. And other people saying, no, there's video. You obviously didn't watch it. It's just such a tragedy. There's no reason. Even if he had the right car, there's no reason to pump this kid full of lead. You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's got to be a case-by-case basis. You have to look at the facts of each case. That's the thing. Outrageous. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, that one That one kind of got me worked up. Had a comment here from uh, my friend Terry on the uh, listening to the live stream. She said, just when you think your heart can't hurt anymore for our kids. Yeah. Yeah, that was um that was just nuts. They'll have to charge him. They'll have to. I mean, with all the cops I've seen who didn't do anything wrong that got charged on something. You know what I'm saying? You could probably think of a few instances. This guy. This guy. He's going down, my humble opinion. All right, uh, that having been said, I guess it's about time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the United States. It believes in freedom, including your freedom 
to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. So this one, our tweet of the day, it comes from a fellow named Paul Japula. And here's what it says. AOC, you know, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, AOC just said there is absolutely no room in this country or world for anti-Semitism. And he says, aren't AOC's friends Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib the worst anti-Semites in Congress? Yes, Mr. Jipula, they are. And that gets you the tweet of the day. Thank you so much to our friends at RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring the tweet of the day. You've been listening to episode 257 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions. Seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, October 11th, 2022.